Well, hey there, everyone, and welcome to episode number 11 of the Just Asia podcast, a podcast that's all about sharing the stories of really interesting people who are spending their lives living in Asia. People who are in Japan, who are in South Korea, China, Malaysia, Indonesia, Thailand, you name it, people who are in Asia. My name is Kevin O'Shea. I am a Canadian living abroad in Asia. This is my 21st year living here. Um, I uh, have lived in South Korea, in Japan, and now am in China. And very soon I will be moving to Malaysia and starting a new adventure there. Uh, In this episode, I chat with Scott Greer, who is a fellow Canadian, and he's a Scot as well, who is based in the same place I am, Shenzhen, China. He's been here for quite some time and has a very interesting story to share about his life in China. He's been here a lot longer than me, knows a lot more about things, um, about his time living here under zero COVID, why he stayed, and also about next adventures for him. He's going to be heading to Scotland. That's pretty cool. Not for a holiday, but to live. Uh, Scott is also a content creator, and we're going to talk about his YouTube channel and the things he does on Twitter. Now, one thing I want to share with you before we get into the interview is that we had some sound issues during this interview. The first time I've had this kind of this set of issues, and I'm going to assume it's probably because we are both based in China and the internet doesn't like us to communicate very freely, very freely, I should say, when you live in China. So, um, you know, there was some weird stuff that would often happen when I would start speaking. Uh, I thought it was initially because of my Rode mic setup, so I unplugged my microphone and just went to the onboard Mac in you know, in laptop microphone, but it continued to happen. So you will also notice a bit of a change in the sound quality, but you know, it, it was still pretty good. Um, wasn't that bad. We, you can still understand us. You just might hear some weird stuff from time to time. Well, Hey, that's that. Now let's get into my conversation with Scott Greer. Um, all right, guys, welcome to episode number 11 of the just Asia podcast. Uh, this week I'm joined by Scott Greer. And um, I may be joined by some strange noises that we can't explain as well, but uh, there we go. Um, so, Scott, thank you for joining us on the podcast. Glad to be here. Okay, now, very cool. Now, Scott is joining me from China, from Shenzhen, China. Um, we're not in the same room, but we're talking to each other. Um, we are in the same city. So, Scott, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about yourself. Um and how do you find yourself here in China? Uh, well, let's see. Uh, I just had another rotation of the sun, and I just turned fifty-two. Okay. And I'm at the point now, and I'm at the point now where it's been a long time in China. Mm-hmm. Actually, fourteen calendar years. Oh wow! And and um, I was born. I was born in Scotland. I grew up mostly in Canada. Uh, basically from a certain point in life, I decided that the world was a big place and I wanted to see and experience as much of it as possible. And an opportunity was dangled in front of me to come to China all through a sort of a random connection somewhere along the way. Okay. Wow. So you found yourself in China, um, was, China, a place that was on your radar? Was that somewhere that you ever thought you might end up being when you were younger? Actually, yeah. Uh, okay. uh, I, I come by it honestly. Um, the, the truth is, in the 1960s, 
my dad spent a good chunk of that decade in different parts of Asia. Okay. Uh, he was in the Royal Air Force. And two of the places that he talked about most were Singapore and Hong Kong. Okay. And that made me interested in more than just Hong Kong and more than just Singapore. And like I said, uh, as I started doing a little bit of digging, I ended up coming across somebody and uh, an offer to come to China was was made. And they said they could help me. And in all fairness, uh, I ended up in Jinan for the first five years because I got that off for 24 hours before an offer in Shenzhen. And oh. I accepted I accepted and I honored my, honored my commitment mm-hmm. and I ended up spending my first five years in China in Jinan. Okay. Where, where is that? I don't know that place. Jinan is in, uh, Northeast China. Okay. Uh, not, not quite Dongbei, but it's in Shandong. And it is kind of a unique city because it's actually been a prefecture in its own right, at least twice in history. Okay. So it's a little so it's a little different than a lot of other Chinese cities. It's a little more traditional. It's changing, but it still has more of a real China feel. Um, in if I'm being really blunt, there are days where Shenzhen doesn't really feel like China, mm. and then there's other days where where you get reminded you're definitely in China. <laughs> I think I know what you mean there. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, that's, that's one of those things that. You know, I think, um, I find, uh, you know, I haven't, I've been in China for six years, but I haven't had a chance to travel much because four of those years were essentially, you know, or three of those years were the COVID day, the years. So one of the things I was always, I always loved doing, for example, when I lived in China, I should say Japan, was just going for walks around my neighborhood, always with my camera, taking videos and photos of, of, of life there. Um, and, and by the way, uh, g- listeners, I don't know if you're going to hear this when you listen to the recording, but when I talk, weird things start seem to start happening with the audio. Um, so maybe that's a sign that I shouldn't be talking so much. Um, so I'll just stop that, and um, we'll get back to you, uh, Scott. So you are working in China as an educator, um, much as like I am. So I was wondering if you could maybe tell us a little bit about your experiences as an educator in China. Um, is being a teacher something you had aspired to younger in life, or did you just kind of find yourself in that? It's actually kind of strange because when I was younger, uh, I got told that maybe I should consider teaching. Okay, and I never gave it any thought. I. I genuinely never give it any thought. I laughed it off. And there was other things that I wanted to do. I spent years working in radio and television. And that required me having good language skills. Um, And I've actually, in truth, been able to parlay all of that into the the things I do in the classroom now. Um, I've also been kind of lucky because with the exception of my first six months, I've been in a stable school environment. Okay. Uh, I haven't, I haven't, I've done the training center. I know what it's like. I understand the experience of 
anybody who's studying there as well as anybody who's teaching there. And I never found it as stable as I do being in an actual proper school. Um, I've been teaching, uh, I've been teaching middle schoolers and high schoolers for basically 13 years. And although the students change, a lot of the experience doesn't. And there are certain things that, that seem to carry over from year to year. Biggest thing being a certain amount of trepidation and concern and teacher, my English is not so good. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And the, the truth is, the truth is one of the expressions that I learned long before I ever came to China was when it came to acquiring a new skill, it's use it or lose it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and a lot of these kids, they'll listen, they'll listen intently. They'll pick up things, but there's this fear in actually using it for themselves. Mm-hmm. I make hundreds of mistakes and I know I'm going to make hundreds of mistakes. Does it stop me? No. And one of the things that I, I cannot stress this enough, and I wish more teachers would say something like this, and that is that if you make a mistake in a classroom, it's the best place to make a mistake because mm-hmm. you're going to help somebody else whether you realize it or not. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, true. No, cl- I mean, a good classroom should be a very safe environment where people um, feel comfortable enough to make those mistakes because then they can learn. They can learn from you, their classmates, um, without people laughing at them or without people judging because everyone's in the same boat. Right. Um, especially when there's, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, sorry, you go ahead. (laughs) Well, what, what I was going to say is everybody forgets that not everything is about them. Mm. You make a mistake. You might genuinely be helping somebody else because there's every chance in the world they're making something that's the same or a similar mistake that you can both learn from. Yeah. 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 No, it's that's interesting. Why, that's no. why I'm not afraid to make a mistake. And mm. but as I said, hundreds and yeah. I know I'm going to make, it. Oh yeah. Um, it may be, it, it may be a tonal thing. It may be, uh, putting the, the wrong stress on a syllable. In fact, I will walk into a class and deliberately make those mistakes because I want to see if they're listening. Mm. In the morning, I'll walk into class and say, good afternoon. (laughs) Just to see who I can catch. Mm. That's cool. It's fun. It's fun to see um, who's listening and and sometimes frustrating to see who's not. Um, (laughs) But you know, you've, um, you know, uh, one thing I wanted to talk to you about is I know that um, you've been you've been in China for you know you've been, you said fourteen years, right? Um, and you've been in the last few years have been considerably challenging for those who stayed in China. Um, I think we first connected on Twitter while yeah. I was still in Japan, I believe. So in 2020, my family we left we left Shenzhen to go to Japan for you know that would be a month. Or something like that, you know, and then um, eventually we would, um, we'd come back after that month. And things, you know, it didn't work out that way. Borders closed, blah, blah, blah. But we, we you know, so, but then we got back in um, 
October of 20, November 2020. And uh, since then, it hasn't been So what I'm curious, what I wanted to ask you about is, is that you've stayed here during the zero COVID years. So a lot of people left, a lot of foreigners left um, for so many reasons, but mostly because it was so challenging. What kept you here? Um, honestly, I wanted to see what was going to happen. Uh, that's, that's the safe, easy way to explain it. I wanted to see what was going to happen. Um, when I came back, I crossed the border at, uh, Futian, Lok Machau here in Shenzhen. Okay. On January 29th, 2020. Okay. When I crossed back in, I was the fourth of four people going across a footbridge that I had literally crossed with thousands of people the previous time I crossed. All right. There were more, there were more security and immigration people than there was people crossing into Shenzhen. It was absolutely surreal. And you've been talking about Penang. Mm-hmm. That's where I left to go back to Hong Kong to come back to Shenzhen. Okay. I was, I was actually the, my last two and a half days in Hong Kong, uh, in, in Penang, I was hunting for masks. Mm. I went to every pharmacy up and down the island looking to see who had what kind of masks, how many would they let me buy? They had been watching the news too. And I was able to buy quite a few. And they, pharmacies helped me out however they could. I explained exactly where I was going, exactly what I was doing. Okay. And I did the same, I did the same actually in Hong Kong. And I watched the prices absolutely skyrocket on masks. There so were insane. So this would have been in January of 2020. So this is at the time when the, the rumblings were happening. We knew something strange was going on. There's something going on in Wuhan. It seems to be spreading maybe to other places. And you at the time were in Penang, Malaysia. Were you yeah. there on holiday at the time? Yeah, actually, it was, the, it was the tail end of my spring festival holiday. Okay. So you were there. And uh, then, but you knew you were going to come back. And, of course, no one knew really what was going on. Um, and, uh, you were getting prepared for that, huh? Oh yeah. I was, uh, I was mentally preparing as, okay. as much as I possibly could. Mm. Uh, I, I knew full well, I was walking into the unknown. Mm-hmm. I, I had no, um, I, there's no way I can deny that part of me was a little bit scared about going back. Mm-hmm. Um, and just to sort of hammer that home. I caught a Cathay Pacific flight from Penang. Yeah. And so the flight lands in Penang and usually there's about a one hour turnaround. And the turnaround was a little bit longer. There were a couple of little delays and I'm not really thinking anything of it, but I'm standing there talking to a couple of other foreigners who are Mm -hmm. headed to Hong Kong Mm -hmm. and we're sort of, floating the ideas uh, as to what might be going on. Now that took half an hour. We'd cleared security. Everything was, everything was good as you'd expect. And as we're standing there waiting, 
we see half a dozen people in white hazmat suits on the gangplank mm-hmm. inside the glass for people coming off the plane. And everyone that came off that flight, we could see that they were having their temperature checked and they were checking something else as well. Okay. The people were allowed to move on. But we're thinking to ourselves, we're getting on this plane. Mm. I cracked open I cracked open a mask while I was waiting to get on the plane. Mm-hmm. That's other than being in hospital when I was much younger and dealing with the birth of my daughter and such, that was the last time I wore a mask. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then and then and then you you get to Shenzhen and uh you you stayed all that time. Um that what, what so what I'm curious about is is what again there's that whole like what kept you here? I know like we we got stuck outside. We left. We were here during that time. Um and it wasn't at the beginning of February we started getting really nervous and scared. And on February the 17th, 2020 is when we got an airplane and flew to Japan. Um, but uh, during that time, again, what is it that 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 kept you from not getting on an airplane and flying back to Canada or flying to Scotland and just saying, screw this, I'm done. <laughs> it came down to it came down to one simple thought. I knew this was going to spread. Okay. I knew this was going to spread and just, it was deep down in my gut. I was absolutely certain this was going to happen. So I figured the best thing I could possibly do was be someplace where I could hunker down, where I wasn't going to be relying on family. I wasn't going to be tapping into what money I had. I was going to be safe and secure as far as could be, as far as I could be under the circumstances Um, I knew that there were reasonably good hospitals. I knew that in the grand scheme, I was probably going to be safer here. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know what kind of situation my school was going to have. I didn't know if I I left, if I was going to be out of a job. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking as practically as I could, um, that's That's really what it came down to. Uh, I sort of felt that if I went, that I wouldn't have any control over what was going to happen. As it turned out, I didn't have much control. Yeah. But I had had to roll the dice. Mm. Uh, And then then as soon as the borders actually did close up, it it was a case of, okay, I'm here now. Mm -hmm. What's next yeah yeah wow and i mean it's uh how about like if you fast forward um a bit further and um you know a time that was kind of hard for me was you know we obviously watched um from a you know much of the world suffered because of COVID, and then we watched so much of the world pass through it move beyond it and you know and we watched the world kind of open up. And by looking at Facebook and stuff, you would see all of a sudden people weren't masking anymore. And restaurants were opening, and concerts were happening, and festivals were starting up. Um, but here we were, and it was still zero COVID. Um, how did you feel during those days? 
a little annoyed. Mm. Uh, I was, I was a little annoyed. Uh, part of, part of me understood what they were doing, mm-hmm. but I also took, uh, I also kind of took the view that at some point you have to rip off the band aid. Yeah. 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 Right. And if the idea being is if you do it a little bit early, we can take the step back. They've already taken the time to put everything in place. They have everything ready. This is here. That's here. If they need to roll things back, they can do it. But unless something gets done, unless they make the change, unless they loosen things up a little bit, it's going to end up destroying a lot more people than it's going to help. Mm. And I was, I was using... Uh, a little bit of sociology, a little bit of psychology, and a little bit of common sense, which mm-hmm. is something that I do sometimes feel is lacking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think um, I think those last person, last person who should be saying that, but it's it's kind of true. This is what happens when you live, and I'm, I'm sure you've seen this too. This is this is a place that is more reactive than proactive. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and I think it's not just we see that in a lot of. It's kind of a, it's not just a, it's a societal thing too. You see it just like kind of throughout. It's re, very reactive, but um, I think maybe maybe those who work in educational institutions here can even say they see that you know where they may work. It's not just like the government, but there's always a kind of a, a reaction to things. Um, but yeah, and uh, here we are, and we <laughs> here we are, and there's weird sounds happening whenever I talk, and I don't know if you can hear this, but I certainly can. Um, I don't know why, but um, a little bit. I, no. It's very loud on my end. I don't know. Who knows what the listen? We'll we'll hear it later on when I play this back. Um, but you know, here we are, and zero COVID disappeared, went away in December, and uh, we all got COVID, and um, okay, and we've kind of passed through it now. And I, I would say life is, is back to almost what it was like in in 2019 when I first got to Shenzhen. Um, but you are now going to be transitioning out of Shenzhen like I am. Um, you know, we're moving. I'm, so for, for, for you folks out there listening um, right now, Scott is wearing a T-shirt that says Penang uh, for Penang, Malaysia, which is where I'm going to be moving to um, this summer. And I've never lived there, but I'm really excited to call. Um, where? So tell us about this transition. Um, where are you going and why and what's all that about? Um, in its simplest form, it's time for a change. Hmm. Uh, yes, the decision was made while we were still dealing with, uh, with zero COVID. The restrictions hadn't been lifted at the time, but I'm comfortable with the decision. Uh, we're, we're headed to Scotland. Okay. We're headed to where I was born. Uh, it's kind of back and forth between uh, between two places, between Perth and Dundee. And bluntly putting it, I would be absolutely happy in either place. Okay. Uh, I've been back at least a dozen times. Okay. 
Oh. And I, it's, it's another one of those places that I just love walking. Mm. Um, I'm leaving what 15 ish million in Shenzhen, depending on which figures you read. And I'm going to anywhere between 50 and 150,000 people. Okay. That's, that's actually kind of nice. Yeah. Right. And I have, I have family. I have no family really left in the area, but I uh, just, just honestly one cousin, but I have, uh, I have a connection to the area mm-hmm. and I always feel great when I'm there. Mm. And I want to extend that. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I'm going to do, honestly, I don't know. Uh, there's a there's a few things that I've got in mind. Maybe I will actually finally sit down and begin to write, like I keep threatening to do. <laughs> um, I have I have enough good. I actually, going back to the COVID thing, I started writing a COVID diary, and I've got close to eighty five thousand words. Okay. Wow. And I might. It's do I turn that into something? Is it going to morph into something else? Um, that's a pretty hefty chunk of words mm. that I could be that I could be taking advantage of. And uh, I'm thinking if I do that, perhaps maybe I'll get lucky enough to find a publisher because I don't see myself publishing that in the in a self published way. I don't know if I have the resolve to do that. But if somebody dangled a little bit of money in front of me, I could probably be persuaded. Okay. Wow. So, wow, that's so cool. I haven't had the chance to go to Scotland yet in life. Um, hopefully someday I will. You're going to love it. Hmm. You're, uh, I have seen shades, I, uh, all joking aside, I've seen shades of green there I've never seen anywhere else in the world. Hmm. Um, you take the train trip from Glasgow up to Oban on the, on the West coast and you go between Loch Lomond and Loch Long and it's absolutely gorgeous. You see the wild heather in a variety of different colors just outside the train window. You know, that's, that's kind of thing that, that just sort of takes me to my happy place. And, and so- I grew up and I grew up in the Rockies. Yeah, there you go. I grew up and- in the Rockies and that still takes me to, to my happy place. I should tell you how nice it is. Hmm. It's interesting for me. I grew up in Cape Breton Island in Nova Scotia, and we know Nova Scotia is Latin for New Scotland, right? And Cape Breton Island is, was was populated by Scottish immigrants, and all those place names you mentioned, you know, Dundee, Loch Lomond, um, all those places—they're all in Cape Breton. You know, um, we have all those. Oh, I know. Places, you know? So fascinating. Um, it's funny because I do have—I um, actually have cousins in Nova Scotia. Okay. Uh, down actually between uh, between Yarmouth and Solnyville in uh, Mayflower on RR2. Okay. But there, um, my great aunt was a war bride. Okay, yeah. And, and my great uncle was an Acadian. Ah, there you go. Cool. And so that's sort of like the French connection in my family. Nice. The French, the Scottish. Um, yeah. And, and here you are in China. Um, you know, I'm, I'm curious, you know, the, the, the world outside of China is, you know, pretty much normalized now, of course. Um, yeah. we, are, we are starting to see things in China in a way normalize. Um, 
you know, I think schools and companies are hoping to say things are open for business. I do hear it is still pretty challenging for people to get beat. Even though the government saying, yeah, we are open for business. Still, they're making it difficult um, to come in. Um, but for those out there listening who may be interested in, in coming to China to work, to teach, to have some kind of opportunity, what what advice? What advice might you give those people um, before they they do come to better prepare themselves for um, what to expect? First things first, you need an open mind. Mm. If if you're going to come with a set of preconceived notions, you're going to have a hard time. If you're going to come and assume things are going to be a certain way, if you're going to assume things are going to be the same as you're used to, don't get on that plane. You also have to be, you have to be willing to roll with the punches because as I said before uh, uh, about the difference between being reactive and being proactive, Mm -hmm. that's going to hit you frequently in most jobs. Communication is not the same. We're actually kind of lucky being where we are and doing what we do because we actually get better communication than you might get from uh, anywhere in the the Chinese business community. Okay, you don't necessarily you don't necessarily get any notice that something's coming, something's going to change. At least with what we do, we can sort of ballpark it that all right, it's this time of year. We can kind of expect this. We may not have the details, but we can we can be prepared so that if the other shoe drops, it's never quite as bad as we're anticipating. Mm-hmm. But if you're in something else, you might not be that lucky. But having said that, I wouldn't have stayed here as long as I have. COVID or not. Mm-hmm. If I didn't find things that were interesting, that were intriguing, that were making me want to see more, know more, taste more, try more, mm. you don't do that. You don't do that for nothing. You don't do that because, oh, I'm bored. Mm. You do that because, okay, you may have the odd time where you're bored and that might make you pick something new, but that doesn't mean that you're not going to go out and do things and try things. I'm always curious at, as to what new things are going to show up here. Mm. I mean, look at a city like Shenzhen. In 1979, there was a couple of fishing villages. And now it's 15 million people. Yeah. When I lived in, when I lived in Jinan, I went with one of my foreign workers because we had, uh, we had a foreign affairs worker that would help us with certain things. And we went, uh, we were going somewhere and I started counting the building projects. I stopped at 400 in the course of a day. Mm. And we were, we were all in the city. I stopped at 400. That's an insane amount of development that in any Western country, you're never going to see. You're never going to see the speed you're never going to see the diversity 
you're never going to see anything that even comes close to what happens. Hmm. You do come. Don't hole up in your apartment. Go out and look. Hmm. You won't see things that are going to amaze you. You're going to see things that are going to make you laugh. You're going to see things that are going to make you want to see more. Yeah. That doesn't work. Every, it doesn't work for everybody. I've known over the years that there are lots of people that did a year, went home or did a year and then went somewhere else. Yeah. And if that's what works for you, that's what you do. But if you have that resolve to come do a little research, know a little bit about where you're going and don't do what I did. I knew one word when I came to China. Niha. Mm-hmm. That was it. I knew one word, but I had to, I had to rapidly pick up at least a few more to be able to function. Yeah. And something like that, that was a challenge. And for me, part of this has always been a challenge. And I've liked that. I've actually, in uh, COVID aside, terrible things aside, because no place is always going to be great. I've learned a lot, including about myself. So mm-hmm. if you want that self-discovery, do it someplace you don't know. Yeah. Because you will learn lessons about yourself and it will teach you about yourself things that you didn't even know were possible. Very true, man. I mean, I think of the just getting through lockdowns. I mean, yeah. what, a, a few things that that did. I mean, I've always known I love my family. I love my wife. I love my two children very much, but it brought us closer. <laughs> um, my wife and I make of a better team than I even because we had to be. Um, but, uh, but yeah, and, another, and you know, yeah. And the last episode of the podcast, which you haven't heard yet, cause it hasn't gone up yet, but in the last episode I introduced, I, I um, who's an American who's, uh, in China and he's been in China, but as long as you have. And, uh, I asked him, He's not planning on leaving. He's staying. Um, I said, well, why aren't you planning to There's still so much to see. I still have so much to do. Um, and I, I thought... Okay. I, well, actually, I have, to, I have to agree with that. Uh, there is a lot of things I still want to see, do, try. And... Perhaps I will come back and do that. But then there's the other side of things. I'm in my 50s. I have to start thinking practically whether I want to admit it or not. And that means that means making a couple of other changes. Hmm. And I'm not just thinking about myself. I'm thinking about a real future. Yeah. Um, it's one of the it's one of the reasons why I've been doing some of the things I've been doing in the last what I guess seven or eight months, and that's uh, kind of attempting to document things. Oh, and what a great segue that is, sir! Um, okay, so you have, have been a documenting a lot of things. <laughs> you have been <laughs> documenting a lot of things on both your YouTube channel, 
And everyone, there will be a link to Scott's YouTube channel in the show notes and on Twitter, which is a space that you're very active in. So, yeah, you you have been doing a lot of content. In, and uh, can you tell us a bit more about that? Actually, yeah, I'd be happy to. Um, one of the things that occurred to me is that for all the years I've been in Shenzhen, I found myself being very much a creature of habit. Mm. And I started realizing that there's all of this stuff out there at 15 million people. There's bound to be stories. There's bound to be cool places, interesting things, a little bit of fun. Mm -hmm. And I decided that maybe I should start looking at this. Maybe I should start taking videos and, and, adding to my uh adding to my photos when i first arrived in china i i always had a i had a canon camera on my hip for the first three full years i was here mm -hmm. and something weird i would take a picture and, and i it would go in that only in china or this is china because it was it was something unique and then as things were progressing i was realizing that you know maybe it's not so unique how it's done may be unique, but the idea behind it really isn't. And so I started to step away from that and I got busier with work. Uh, and then fast forward to where we are now. And I know that I'm winding down. I know that I'm transitioning. I know at least I have a thumbnail sketch of what's yet to come. Um, that I should be documenting some of these places and some of the things that I see. And so I thought some of the videos should be long form. Some of them should be shorts. Uh, some of them should be, might be stuff that other people do, but maybe through my eye, it looks a little different. And then places I stumble on, I actually, I actually sit down with a subway map and decide I'm going to go here. Sometimes it's a total bust. Sometimes it's, uh, it's something that's really great. Uh, I went out to a couple of weeks ago, I went out to university town on line five. I'd never been out there and it was actually really quite nice. Okay. It gave me, uh, it, it gave me a feel of what things are like for average lower middle-class people and what they, what they do and what they go through. And I was in Wansha a couple of weeks ago as well. And I was inside one of the, one of the walled communities that someplace I would never normally go. And I've, I saw the narrowest lanes I think I've seen anywhere. And that includes places like Beijing. So it's all about going and trying to find this new stuff. And the idea is if it's interesting to me, hopefully it's going to be interesting to somebody else. Mm. And that includes hopping on the Metro because the subway here is incredible. Yeah, it is. It's pretty amazing. So document it, show people what it's really like when you get on a train mm -hmm. that this stereotypical idea of what China is like couldn't be further from the truth when you're on a train. Mm. Those places are spots. Yeah, they are. Yeah. And that's not what the stereotype dictates. Yeah. I was breaking that. Mm. 
Yeah, no, it's very cool because I mean, there's there's obviously not not many people creating content for a Western audience like this on YouTube and on Twitter and stuff. So it's great to share. I try to do a bit of that myself, and and honestly, posting some photos. My wife and I went for a walk around in Chile. I've never been in one. I think that's mostly because of zero COVID. You had no access to these communities. Now, it was, it was pretty neat. It was pretty cool to walk through and take some photos. And I shared those on Twitter. And it was, uh, um, I think I would like to, before I leave, also take a, a few walk through those communities and, and take some videos to share as well. Because, again, not many people are documenting that kind of thing for a Western eye to see. So it, it is pretty cool. And it's, it's cool that you're doing that. Um, so you guys out there listening... Check out Scott's YouTube channel, and you can see a lot of different videos. Um, you post quite frequently. Um, uh, yeah, when I'm working, when I'm working, I try to get out Saturday, Sunday, or both. And mm-hmm. then, what you're getting is you're getting raw video with raw narration. Mm-hmm. Everything I put up is unedited. I want you to see exactly what I see, good and bad, and that includes when I have a problem with the gimbal and the camera falls. (laughs) I leave that in. Mm -hmm. I leave that. It's it's only actually happened, I think, twice. Once was uh, out at uh, Universiad, and the other one was just kind of a random short video. Okay. But why not be genuine with it? You know, I know how to edit. I know how to polish, but... I want I, I want the experience to be as genuine as possible. And the mm. easiest way to do that is to use the unedited video. Mm. Um, if I've said something and I've made a mistake in the video, if somebody hears it, they'll tell me. Mm-hmm. So I'm good with that. Uh, I, I want the experience to be as genuine as possible. I want it to be exactly what I see because... That is the way that is the way it is, or the way it was at that time. Mm-hmm. And I have to I have to see that because things happen here so quickly. Things change so quickly that you could go into a shop one day and the next day the shop's gone. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Without warning. Yeah, yeah. Without you know, any kind. Too often. <laughs> oh yeah. You find if you've I, I will never understand that. You find a favorite place and because of work, you're only able to go in once every week, maybe once every two weeks. There's a staple that you want and you like getting it from them because you're supporting a little local business. You go back after that two week cycle, it's gone. Yeah. 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 And then, and then there's boards there. It's already being renovated to turn it into something else. Exactly. And that place will be gone two weeks after that's renovated. Um, Nearly. Yeah. Yeah. Things, yeah. Actually, uh, that way. Things move fast. Things move fast here. That's for sure. Things are always in flux, always changing. Um, well, you know what, um, Scott, I'm looking at the time and it's getting, getting a little bit late for me. I got to get home. <laughs> I report from school. Um, but I want to thank you. Yeah, that's I don't own this recording studio that you see behind me. Oh gosh, no. No, it's pretty sweet actually. I oh, it is. The the old DJ would have would have a field in that room. Oh yeah, it's it's great. I love it. 
Um, but, uh, you know, I will soon have to adapt. I've got five more weeks here at the school. And uh, after that, um, I'll be recording on the road during the summer. And when I get to Penang, not sure what I'll be doing, but uh, I'll have to sort that out. But, uh, but yeah, but Scott, thank you so much for coming on the Best Days of Podcast and, and sharing your story with us. Happy to do it. And thanks for having me. All right. Well, I want to thank Scott for taking the time to stop by the Just Asia podcast. We, I really appreciate it. Go check the links in the show notes below. Go follow Scott on Twitter at Kilt Tilter and follow his YouTube channel for a little slice of life of living in China because there's not a lot of expats out there um, who are doing this kind of thing and sharing a lot about China. Um, it's not a place where you often feel comfortable sharing and it's really cool to have people out there doing it. Now, For me, speaking of following, I want you guys to come along and follow me on a journey, Um, a journey through Asia and a journey where I'm going to be moving countries soon. As of me recording this, I'm recording this on the evening of Friday, April 28th. And uh, hey, there's only two days left in the month of August. And then as of Monday, four weeks left of school for me. My final day of my school year, I am an international teacher, is May 30th. And then about a week after that, a week and a half after that, my family and I are flying out of China for good for the last time, the final time. We're heading to Japan for a month, then to Canada, and then to Malaysia, where we will be settling in and starting a new job, a new life. Kids will be going to a new school, and it's going to be fantastic. I'm super pumped and excited. Everyone in my family is. My wife is probably more excited than I am about this new adventure. She's really excited to move to Malaysia. We all are. It's it's a bucket list place. I think I bought back in, I want to say 2005, I bought a Lonely Planet Malaysia guidebook. That's back in the days when I was an English teacher in South Korea. And I wanted to head there, but then something happened and I lost my vacation time and I couldn't. Um, and I was always sad about that. Um, I did go to Malaysia in 2019 with my family to Kuala Lumpur, otherwise known as KL. And we had a fantastic trip there, a fantastic journey. We loved it. And my kids said to me, Hey dad, get a job in Malaysia. And I did just took a few years but we're heading there. So folks, what I want you guys to do is of course, follow me on Instagram at jlandkev for photos of uh, Japan, of my life here in China, family, stuff about the podcast. My daughter had a big year end concert for grade four. That was really amazing. Some stuff up there about that and a lot of other photos. Um, yeah, go and check that out. Follow me at jlandkev. Follow me on Twitter at mad for maple. I'm very active on Twitter, very active at mad for maple and check out the Facebook page at facebook.com slash just, uh, just Japan stuff, just Japan stuff. That link will be below as well. And I want to thank people who have recently joined up. Um, you can of course support this show by just simply sharing it guys, share the show on your social media, share it on your Facebook, on your Twitter, your Insta, whatever it may be. Help us get bigger. Use word of mouth, share with your friends. Uh, this is episode number 11 and the show is, is growing faster than I expected. And I'm very pleased about that. Yeah. So, I mean, as for the, uh, the Kevin O'Shea family here in Asia, what are we doing? We're essentially working on cleaning up the house more and more, throwing stuff away each weekend. We've got a long weekend now. Um, this is the May day weekend. Um, you know, uh, I always said to my daughter, her birthday, she turns 10 years old on Monday, on May, May day, May 1st. Um, it's her birthday. And I said, as long as we live in China, you will always have a national holiday for your birthday. But this will be the final one because we're leaving. But she gets that holiday and she's excited. So we'll be off to Toys R Us this weekend to get her the present that she wants. Um, my son's feeling a bit under the weather. So he stayed home from school today. <clears throat> that happens. 
But so far, so good for me and my wife. We seem to be okay as long as we can hang through the weekend, clean up the house more. Um, I've got another podcast interview coming up shortly. I do have a, a podcast that I host about um, uh, uh, gaming, uh, a game, I should say, uh, about a geolocation game similar to geocaching, and it is called Munzee. That's the Munzee Maniacs podcast. And um, yeah, so I'm one of the co-hosts of that. And uh, yeah, I've got some more interviews coming up this weekend for future episodes of the Just Asia podcast. A few in the pipe for the next few weeks. Very excited about that. So again, guys, I want to thank you all for listening to the Just Asia podcast, for supporting the show, helping us grow. Check all the links below in the show notes. Follow me on the socials. And uh, of course, remember to leave a glowing review and comment and like the heck out of us if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, Amazon Music, you know, wherever it may be. Go like us, review us. It it helps us grow and we want to grow and I want to get bigger and bigger and bigger. All right, I'd love to get some of the success I had earlier with the Just Japan podcast, which was uh, which was pretty cool. All right, guys, you are awesome. You are awesome for listening and downloading, and you're just awesome. So thank you. Uh, <clears throat> hope you're having a good week wherever you are, and you can expect episode number 12 to come to you next week. So, guys, my name's Kevin, a Canadian expat living in Asia, and I'll be talking to you real soon. <laughs>